nobody's perfect. I certainly am not perfect. I'm human. I mean, we're all human. Dear listener, these sentiments may have truth within them, but what do we do when the Bible commands us to be perfect and says it's possible? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkes-Barre in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, then stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube, Gab TV, at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded and you will find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance, spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. If you go to any of those social media uh, platforms, make sure to like, follow, turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content, and you will find us at this at this moment. We used to be out in the square, the public square there in Wilkes-Barre every Sunday, uh, but for these winter months, we are just going inside, so we are meeting in homes, and if that is something that you want to do, you want to worship together with other believers that really do want to press in and be all that God wants them to be and be uh, witnessing to their their loved ones, their community around them, then please contact us. We would like to hook you up uh, with a meeting somewhere. Uh, so with all of that, you can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com. Or you can give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are picking up our series on holiness here this morning. Last one, we did holiness as deliverance from sin. This time we're doing holiness as Christian perfection. And I just, again, put the plug in for the book, Be Ye Holy by Leslie Wilcox. You can find that from God's Revivalist Press, I believe. And uh, it is a valuable resource of scriptures put together. You can look through it and study it out yourself. I'm using that as a skeleton for what we are looking at. Uh, so you have maybe heard the term before, entire sanctification. It comes from 1 Thessalonians 5.23 where it says, may the God of peace sanctify you wholly or entirely. Um, there are also other terms in the Bible that are synonymous with that. And this state, this, this work of God, work of grace in the soul is sometimes referred to as to be perfect or perfection. And that literally means completing or making perfect the grace that's begun in regeneration or the grace that began when you were born again or saved. Uh, that doesn't mean that we get to a state of perfection in that there's no room for growth or whatever, but we're talking about the heart issue, the motive issue. Does it mean then that you and I are infallible if I then attain this perfection that the Bible is speaking about? Are we placed beyond the possibility of falling back into sin? Are we free from mistakes, error, or human frailty, weaknesses? What it does mean, and I think intuitively we all understand by human experience and just looking at general knowledge of the Bible, 
No, I don't think it means that. However, the Bible does speak about entire sanctification or being sanctified wholly through and through. It speaks in many places about people being perfect or commanded to be perfect or uh, we are to work towards this perfection. Those, those elements are throughout the scripture. So the Bible does want that to happen to us as people, but what does it mean? What does it mean? What it means is that the heart is cleansed so that the heart attitude towards God and towards God's will is no longer imperfect, you know, partial where I give God most everything, but there's little bits and pieces that if he puts his finger or thumb on, uh, it's not going to happen. And that could be your attitude. That could be, you know, well, this is just how I am. This is how I deal with people. And, you know, God knows all about that. Well, he does know all about that. And he wants us to be crucified with Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, have all that that is, that is unchristlike so far as our attitude, disposition, and motive. He wants to cleanse that carnal part of us and make us a vessel sanctified and meet for the master's use. This is what um, we're dealing with as we go through the Bible and what it means to be perfect. That's a scary word for some people. But it shouldn't be perfect or it shouldn't be scary if we understand the biblical meaning of perfection. It is a wonderful thing. Anyone that's saved, anyone who's been born again will love this truth from the Bible, will want this because they hate their sin so much. They hate what was behind them and they love Christ. So they want to be all that Christ wants them to be. And that is where this term perfect is. It is that, that state that God will bring us into where he looks at our heart and says it's perfect. There's something about that. And hang on with me as we go through scriptures. Maybe this will start to open up to you even yet more. And you may be able to take some steps higher in your spiritual life and to move forward instead of feeling like you're stuck and perhaps you're just, you know, your wheels are spinning. You feel like I'm, I'm constantly just sinning and repenting all the time. I can't ever seem to just get forward and move into a place of victory. So the terms perfect and perfection in the Bible are applied to Christian experience. We've got many different places in the scripture where we can look at this. These, in, in, in uh, Genesis 6, 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. I do want to say, um, I'm reading from the King James Version. You look at uh, the other translations of our day, even ones that uh, may be more careful with their translations, and there seems to be a effort to remove that word perfect and make it mean something else. Uh, I'm not saying that, that uh, there aren't nuances of that that help us to understand the fuller picture of the word, but it's interesting uh, that in the time of, of King James 1611, that word was written down and a plowboy could understand that and to go forward in it. And yet today we're like, well, perfect. Nobody can be perfect. So we've got to, we got to do something about that. We got to change that. Instead, what, let's just find out what it means. We're told Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. What does that mean? Was, did Noah never make a mistake? Did Noah never fail on things? I, I would have to say just knowing human condition, no. But there must be a quality about Noah that was different than everyone else. You could say, well, he lived in a terrible, terribly dark time. So he was righteous before God. But we're told he was perfect in his generation. Let's move on. Genesis 17, 1. And when Abraham, or Abram, was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Here's a command. 
for Abraham to be perfect. 1 Kings 8, 61. Let your heart, therefore, be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. Well, that seems to be a little bit of an illumination of what that word perfect is. He says, let therefore, uh, let your heart, therefore, be perfect with the Lord our God. How? To walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. Now, that is terribly cruel. If God is asking his followers, his people to be perfect, and it's impossible. That's a lot of the way that people talk in our present day. They say that it's not possible. Well, if it's not possible, then God is a wicked tyrant and and we should not follow him because he's making demands that cannot happen. But I don't believe that's the character of God. If you read the scriptures at all, you realize that's not God's character. What he commands, he has grace to enable in our lives. So there is a perfection that he can do inside yours and my heart. Deuteronomy 18.13, thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. Notice it doesn't say here, thou shalt be perfect in every facet of your thinking, your performance, your you know action, everything you do is so absolutely perfect. It doesn't say that. It says, thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. So we're perfect in his sight, okay? Job 1.1. 1, 1. There was a man in the, in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. So we're told that Job was a perfect man. Now, brother, that's impossible because nobody can be perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody else is perfect. So Job couldn't be perfect. The Bible must be wrong. Jesus, we move into Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Jesus took the law of God that was twisted and perverted in the, man, the minds of men and said, this is what the intent of this law is supposed to be. We, we, with the Ten Commandments, Jesus did that. Shouldn't um, commit adultery? Well, I say don't lust after someone in your heart. Shouldn't kill? I say don't hate your brother in your heart. Jesus took that and, and gave us the, the, the potent punch of the intention of God's heart. Here we find Jesus saying in Matthew 5, 48, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Oh my. Does this mean that we live in absolute perfection? No, but it appears to be that there's a perfection in God that is possible inside of us as human beings. What is that perfection? That should be our question and our quest. Instead of being on a quest to discount this word, to remove it from the scripture and somehow explain it away, we should say, there's a perfection that God has that he is willing to do in me and give to me. And Jesus commands me to be perfect. What is this perfection? That should be our question. That's the heart of a Christian. We're not trying to figure out the least amount of things that we need to do in order to be right with God and get into heaven. We've moved far past that. We're not trying to um, just appease God. We want to please him. We go that extra mile. That's what love does. Jesus said, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Ephesians 4.12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These were what the gifts that were given unto men through the ascension of Christ, leading captivity captive and giving gifts unto men. He said, it's for the perfecting of the saints. Lord, what does this perfect mean? Colossians 1.28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Lord, what does this mean? Sometimes I've heard people say the phrase in Christ 
and they make it mean that it's just this positional thing. Well, I'm in Christ because I'm born again and I'm saved, but it really doesn't have any bearing on the way that I live. So we try and say being in Christ is, is my position and not really my reality. My friend, if you read the scriptures, you will find that that loses its, its entire punch because we realize God is concerned about the way we live, not just our position. If that were the case, then Israel wouldn't have gone into Babylonian captivity. But we realize God was not pleased with their life, with their actions. And so he's telling us that we want to pre present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. There is some kind of perfection that is for us. Philippians 3.15, Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So. There is a perfection in that chapter in Philippians that you and I don't have right now. It's the perfection of our glorified bodies. We don't have that. He's talking about the resurrection in our glorified bodies. But then he turns around to the same people and he says to them, let us therefore as many as be perfect presently. So he was acknowledging that there were people alive in the Philippian church that were at that moment perfect. But he said, those people that are perfect be thus minded that we are to follow after Christ wholeheartedly. And don't be, if, we, if in any way we're otherwise minded, he said, God's going to show it to us. So it appears to me that through this, there's a perfect heart, a heart whose intent and motive is clean and pure and wants to please God with every fiber of their being, though, because of a faulty head, we may not always do that perfectly. We can have a perfect heart toward God. I think this starts to clear things up a little bit more. Hebrews 6, 1, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. This should blow out of the water that the Christian life is a life of just sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting. He said, guys, we need to move on from this, not just laying the, the, again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. That's what happened when we were born again, when we were saved and we're called into holiness as Christians. So where do we go from here? He said, let's leave these first principles. We realize that's the Christian life. That's how we entered in. Of course, if we do sin after the case, we need to repent and put our faith in Christ. But he's telling us, don't stop here. This is like crossing over the border and then setting up camp right there instead of exploring the whole country. He said, let's go on unto perfection. So that helps us to realize also there's some people that may not go on to perfection. Hebrews 13, 21, to make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, that's key. We're, kind of, we're not doing this by ourselves. We're doing it through him. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will. I don't know how we can take these, these scriptures and twist this around, or in some cases, just flat out ignore it and continue to, con to, to walk in a doctrinal framework that perhaps we've made up without having to wrestle with what this means and then to live it out because that is the concern as we've gone through these verses. We're told in James 1.4, but let patience have her perfect work. That seems to me that there's a, there's a complete, a thorough 
That seems to be the, the connotation of this word right here in this context. Let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire. Remember, we talked about before entire sanctification or sanctified holy, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. So it seems to be some sort of completion that takes place in us that he's after, that we may be perfect and entire, fully somehow, not lacking anything. Isn't that the Christian life that you and I want? I want that. James 3, 2. For in many things we offend all. If in any, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. So he's saying person that doesn't offend in word, that, same, that person's a perfect man, a complete man, a thorough man, a full man. It's possible. 1 Peter 5.10, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. It appears to be here that there comes to be a time where God can, de- can declare a man or a woman perfect. And through that, we will be established, strengthened, and settled. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. Visit and like our social media accounts with Facebook, Twitter, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube. Visit our website at www.godsresistance.com and contact us by email at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. So we've seen that the Bible talks about perfection and it's talking about the Christian experience in perfection. One phase of perfection, according to the scripture, is perfect love. That sounds scary, doesn't it? Perfect love. Uh, this, this may not cover the whole range of Christian experience or of holiness, but Jesus said that love was the fulfilling of the law. So if we have perfect love, doesn't that help us to understand that we have the fullness of what Jesus' intent was? So I think, though this may not cover the range of the entire Christian experience or experience of holiness maybe as thoroughly as our minds might think, it does in the mind and heart of Jesus. So perfection of love is required as the sum total of the law. Deuteronomy 6, 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. So love encompassing all things in every part and faculty of our being. Deuteronomy 10, 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God? to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Deuteronomy 10, 12. Uh, Deuteronomy 11, 13. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Doesn't this, this is an all-encompassing love. It's every faculty and power of our being, which harkens back to what I said in the beginning, entire sanctification, or as 1 Thessalonians uh, puts it exactly, to be um, sanctified holy. This is what 
perfect love is. This is where perfection is, according to the scripture. Uh, Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed, that's your children, your offspring, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. You say, brother, that's in the Old Testament. Yes, but the New Testament hearkens unto the Old Testament. The heart of God has always been the same, what he's looking after in his people. But we had it veiled darkly before us through the Old Covenant. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. So Jesus is referencing Deuteronomy and saying, this still applies now to the man who he's speaking with. And then, of course, to us, the hearers of Jesus' words that have been preserved. Mark 12, 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. That was what Jesus said. So he's hearkening back to Deuteronomy. Luke 10, 27. And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor is thyself. He said that sums up the, all the law and the prophets. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in, in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. That's plain as can be. From the, from the mouth of Jesus Christ, and here Paul writing that in Romans chapter 13. Love is the fulfilling. Perfect love then is the perfection I believe God is after according to the scripture. But we also realize that there's this rise and development of love and the Bible describes that. So love begins when we're saved, when we are regenerated, when we're made new. Love begins at regeneration, at the moment one is born again. We look at 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So love is what drew us to him. Love is planted then in our hearts and love is supposed to leaven the whole. We fulfill what God is after when we love. And love is not ushy-gushy, it's directed by the scriptures. It's, it, we can't just say, well, I love this person, so I allow them to do such. No, love is the desiring for people's highest good. And sometimes that has to be a tough love. First John 5, 1 through 3. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, that's the father, loveth him also that is begotten of him, that's Jesus Christ. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So that's obedience for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. You can get to that state, dear listener. So many people make excuses for obeying God and keeping his commandments, but we are told that the Christian experience is to love God, keep his commandments and his commandments aren't grievous to us. If we are not keeping God's commandments and his commandments are a grief to us and it's just the old ball and chain, there's something wrong inside of our hearts, according to the scripture. The life 
of the regenerated or the saved is still imperfect. 1 John 4, 8. For there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. What does that mean? Does that mean if I'm afraid of, uh, of you know, bodily harm or I'm afraid of, you know, tornadoes or whatever, that, that there's something wrong with me? No, because that's a natural innate sense God gives us. If we weren't afraid of certain things, then self-preservation would be completely out the window and we'd probably be dead at a very young age. But there is a healthy fear that God has put into our constitution that's right. This fear, however, that he's speaking about is a fear of, of, of God still in the sense that I'm, I'm afraid of him and I don't really have a confidence in his love to bring me through, even through the judgment. And so a perfect love towards God knows God, who he is, what he expects, walks in his ways and doesn't have that fear of judgment hanging over, that servile fear. Now, the fear of God in the heart is love towards him. Love may be made perfect then according to the scripture. First uh, John four twelve. no man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. So there is a state where that is the case. First John 2, 5, but whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. So to all those that would say, we don't need to obey God that's works. I don't know what you would do with these verses. I don't know what you would do with 1 John because 1 John clearly tells us the real Christian is somebody that loves God's words and his ways and obeys them and keeps them. It's not that we're doing that to work our way to salvation. It's that our that the salvation of God is in us and it's working that because we're really saved. Many passages which speak of love in the heart evidently describe it in its perfected condition. Agape uh, which is a Greek word translated charity, really does mean love. First Corinthians 13 is the famous love chapter. And that, that love chapter is a picture of love perfected in a human heart. And Paul's saying, this is normal. This is what you're, you're after. This is what you need. You can have all the gifts and all of every, but love is greater than all of these. So first Corinthians 13 is love perfected. Romans 5, 5 says, and hope Make them not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Colossians 3.14, and above all these things, put on charity, love, which is the bond of perfectness. Love is perfectness. That's what holds us to God and holds us to people and makes us fulfill his law is love abounding, shed abroad in the heart through the Holy Ghost. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love and of a sound mind. When the, when the spirit of Christ is in us, love, godly love. First Peter 1.22, seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, that is genuine love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. This is to love, this agape love, this perfection of love. We also read about the term perfection applying to other Christian graces, such as perfection of faith, 1 Thessalonians 3.10. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So the, the, the object is a perfection of faith somehow. God help us. Perfection of holiness, 2 Corinthians 7.1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. 
So there's perfect love, there's perfect faith, there's perfect holiness, there's these different Christian graces. Does that mean that it's perfect in its quantity? No, but it can be perfect in its quality, in its essence, and then can expand and grow ever so more until we reach heaven. So the theme of perfection runs throughout the scripture. It begins in the Old Testament, if we, as we've seen some passages. Some passages that do not use the word perfect or perfection nevertheless describe the state of a perfection of love. And we can see those in some of the previous passages in Deuteronomy. But the moral law was never just about outward observance. It was about love toward God and love toward men. The Psalms often describe such a perfection of character. The prophets heralded the perfection of love in contrast to the deadness of strict letter keeping. And it prepared the way for the New Testament. The New Testament gives us the full declaration of perfect love. And that perfect love is consistent with mistakes and errors which arise from a poor judgment of our mind or other human frailties. And we're going to get to that a little bit more specifically as we go along. So dear listener, are you striving towards perfection? It is attainable in this life according to the scripture. We're not trying to get to this breakneck place. We're trying to get what Christ purchased on the cross and have it be ours. Is that where you are? Do you have questions? Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. Introduce yourself. Set up a time to meet. I'd love to be able to chat with you, to talk with you, to encourage you along the way. Go to our social media accounts, like, follow, pass it along to your friends. Tell them about the broadcast every Sunday. But above all, Join the resistance, God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons License. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.